Hello there. is gone alice no more bike the bike is gone the peloton bike mm-hmm. and i was extra excited because i got just the regular app subscription and mm-hmm. peloton completely changed how their app subscription works and there are all these different levels there's like one that's free there's one if you don't use mach- or you get like three machine classes there's different tiers for if you own their equipment and if you don't own their equipment. Good God. Sounds complicated. Yeah. So when I renewed, the monthly fee, like the with equipment fee for a non-machine uh, owner, it's $20 cheaper than if you own their shit. So they charge you for the machine and they charge you extra for the app when you have their stuff? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Because I was like, whoa, it's $20 cheaper. Awesome. Yay. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing the treadmill workouts almost every day. It's cool. amazing. I love it so much for me. And um, the other day, I don't know what it was. I had something in the morning and I wasn't gonna be able to have time to go to the treadmill down the hill and shower and stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll do a yoga class. Let me pick a fun theme. Because there are so many fun themes. There are. Like grunge, 90s, love this for me. And I started doing it just like a 30-minute, allegedly all-levels class because I can't do intermediate. (laughs) It's too advanced for me. And yoga, like, some people are really good with meditation and stuff. I'm not. So all these things go through my mind, like, oh, I shouldn't have done this yesterday. I shouldn't have done that yesterday. Da-da-da-da-da. And... The whole time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so bad at this. And I was like, Laura really likes yoga. She's, like, super good at it. I'd be embarrassing her so much. And then I kept having to toot while I was doing it. And I was like, oh, my God, Laura would, like, fucking murder me with a side eye. She would be so ashamed and embarrassed to bring me anywhere near a yoga studio. Like, she would just sit and be like, what the fuck? So the whole time I'm trying to do the yoga things, I'm like, I don't even know what these words means. How does your body move that way? Like, going from the downward dog to the thing and back and up and down. And I was just like, oh, God. So, of course, as soon as I finished, I had to regale Laura with that story. Yeah. Really can't take you anywhere, to be honest. But yeah. 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 Fair enough. (laughs) The yoga text made me laugh so hard i'm like i mean that's like such a thing though with yoga it's like it the, the farting is just so intense it brings out that in humans somehow naturally and i hate it but i don't know i actually i don't do a lot of yoga anymore like i used to do it all the time um and i i haven't done it actually in probably years but and i'm sure if i tried i would be terrible at it too so i don't think that there would be any need to be embarrassed on your part we would be embarrassed together Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But I like how this has turned into like a Peloton expose. Like, I don't know. Did you read the article in Empire that came out back in May? Like, not the most recent one. Uh-uh. So Katie Sackoff like talks shit about Peloton in, the, in her article too. Like, it, it was so freaking funny. I was just like, oh my God, we're just, 
everybody in the club hating on Peloton. Alice is sending her her bike back. Like, I'm still doing it twice a week. I love it. I love those damn bikes. I love the app. Mm. I love the treadmill, the walking workouts. I love the Pilates workouts, the stretches. Keep that app stuff a coming yeah. the biking's just not for me they did a really cool thing at the like early days of the pandemic where i think they made the app f- and this is before they had all these different like pricing level structures the app was like free for a while it was like it was really nice i remember signing up for a while and just doing those regularly before i uh, gave up on everything in life and just got really depressed in the pandemic but but for a while <laughs> i was going strong there you know <laughs> that was that's amazing mm-hmm. what an effort yeah what an effort yeah you know what else is an effort? It's a massive effort. What is it? That would be Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour. It's June 10th, and you are listening to episode 101. I'm Laura. And I'm Alice. Huzzah. All right. Happy hour. What are we drinking? Um. Okay. I have to tell you this this time because I can't remember if it was last time or the one before that where I made that cocktail with the disappearing syrup, yeah. and I was so confused. I yeah. did it. Again, I did it again, and I brought the syrup this time to show you. This is what it looks like in the jar. Like when this is the blood orange syrup that I use to make my drink. Would one say, oops, I did it again? One would say that. One would say that. This is my drink. I put that syrup in my drink, and where did the color go? I don't understand it, Alice. I don't understand it at all. I think that one has more color than the other one did. It does, but it's weird because it's like kind of a beige. It's, it's not like red by any sense of the imagination. It's more beige. Also, there's a lot of like actual like fresh squeezed orange juice into this. Uh. Or really, it was a cara cara, so they're kind of pink. They look like grapefruit, but they're actually oranges. And yeah, it's so I don't get it. It's magic syrup, and it's all mine. And I'm never t- I'm never going to give it to anybody because I just like having this thing for me this magic science man yeah i don't get it yeah (laughs) you should start using like a wand and a magician hat when you make drinks when i make cocktails (laughs) um by the way we have like a magic lounge here in chicago that's like a basically like a magic bar where they do illusions and shit oh my god they're like it might be a tourist trap i don't know it's like booked up for weeks at a time but me and some friends are definitely gonna go in a few weeks because we're like we got to check this out we got this is a gimmick it's gonna be overpriced it's gonna be stupid we gotta go i'd go Mm -hmm. awesome what are you drinking today oh same old same old on my limited sugar kick Mm, the bev put some ice in it because it wasn't refrigerated very nice is this your the sugar-free sparkling wine got it okay Mm I like it. It's good stuff, yeah. We were at a bar last night that did no alcohol and low alcohol offerings on their bar menu. What's the point of paying for low alcohol or no alcohol? I don't know because Rose like was looking at the bill this morning, getting ready to like Venmo everybody, and she was like, "Um, Liz had a drink that was no alcohol and it was the same price as the rest of ours. I was like, yeah, man, that's how it goes. This is like mocktail culture. Like all these bars that are just like, ooh, sober curious, like try one of our mocktails. It's fucking glorified juice and they charge the same amount that they do yes that's that's the term now a lot of uh sober curious sober curiosity is a thing that exists in the culture of of the world now people try to Mm. like have other spots that aren't bars and other get together things that don't revolve around drinking and so now there are like sober curious bars and like alcohol-free bars that exist it's weird i don't know just order a soda water yeah i know right that's what i usually do every they other can drink put it in a fancy cup they can yeah. yeah add a little lime to it nobody would ever know right 
and it looks fancy and it's the cost of tipping. Yeah, it's generally either free or it's very, very low cost. Yeah. But no, people are like, I want to pay $16 for overpriced juice. And I did get one of those overpriced alcohol-free cocktails once at uh, a restaurant for lunch while my company was paying for it. I was like, I'm not paying for that. I'm on purpose? It. Yeah. I was like, I want to try this and I'm not going to pay for it on my own. So Fair enough. Thanks, work. All right. Uh, next up, housekeeping. Um, I'm sure we've done a Jedi way or two since this last episode, so or the last time we recorded, because it's been three weeks since our last little recording. So yeah, I'll post links to the most recent episode slash episodes in our show notes. Cool deal. Mm-hmm. Caravan of Correction, Laura found a few good ones. Yeah, we had some silly oopsies in our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay so the phrase we were trying to come up and i don't remember what the wrong phrase was but if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it like did what did we say did it actually fall or something (laughs) i don't we were like what's the phrase and we're like i don't know or if the tree doesn't make a sound did it really fall like yeah something really wrong no idea um but the actual phrase for those who care is if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it does it make a sound and is a philosophical thought experiment that leads into discussions about blah blah who gives a shit but yeah that's the phrase science says yes yes logically it would make a sound like what kind of stupid ass fucking question is this philosophy philosophy sucks anyway (laughs) uh that was so that was the first one uh the second one is that we couldn't i don't think we knew how many episodes the acolyte was or we weren't sure it's eight um so we have that to look forward to at some point someday hopefully next year and then we were talking about delilah dawson we were trying to remember what the last star wars novel she wrote was and I completely forgot about this one. Star Wars The Skywalker Saga came out in 2019. Right. But that, I actually have it behind me. I don't know if you can see it. That's oh. that's the coffee table book. Lovely. Oh, it's big. It's not like a novel novel. Right. It's a coffee table book. It's like... Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. She also wrote a, st- a short story and from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. So she's been around doing other Star Wars stuff, just not an adult novel. And we're getting our adult novel. We did get our uh, advanced reader copies of um, the Star Wars Inquisitor novels. So hopefully we can get on that now that the High Republic Phase 2 has sort of wrapped up. And um, have a sort of timely review for once. Who knows? Don't hold us to it. <laughs> but who knows? Woo! Yeah, I'm still trying to get through the Similarilia. And I was really glad to be able to pick it back up finally. But it's just like it's it's an effort to get through book is massive and he uses like a lot of old big words and stuff Mm, i'll take your word for it i will not be reading it (sighs) it's really good all right la news aka mostly ahsoka stuff i feel like this giant dump of information was kind of like a surprise yeah we knew i think pretty far in advance that we were going to be getting all of that star wars stuff from empire magazine from their may issue But this July 2023 issue of Empire was like, surprise, a bunch of Ahsoka stuff. That's exciting. There was also a little bit of stuff that came out of Entertainment Weekly recently that's also about Ahsoka. The vast majority of our news today almost exclusively is Ahsoka Tano and her live action series. Love a surprise. So we finally have a date, August 23rd. This is going to be a Wednesday show. Yeah. Do we know if they're going to drop like two episodes at once? 
There has not been any word so far, if they will. Hmm. But I don't know. I guess they really haven't. They did that for Obi-Wan, and then they didn't do it for the Mandalorian at all. So I, I bet they won't, but that's okay. They announced the date for the Ahsoka series on Dave Filoni's birthday, which was June 7th. That was kind of cute. Oh. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of little tidbits that came out of this article. There are lots of previews you can read for free online, but the art, the entire article itself, um, spans like, I don't know, six pages or something of the magazine. Uh, and again, I think I mentioned this last time, but if your local library uses the Libby app, you can get the Empire Magazine July 2023 issue there for free, which is how I got it and read it. Yeah, thanks for doing all these screenshots. They look real nice. Yeah, good. I'm glad that that worked out. I took them on my iPad. I didn't know how that was going to work. <laughs> it looks professional. Sweet. All right. Yeah. yeah. I think. Well, there were a couple fun tidbits that came out of this. One of, I just, I didn't know that uh, Dave Filoni apparently had cosplayed when he went to the Revenge of the Sith premiere, like when he was just a regular human and not like a part of Lucasfilm. He cosplayed as Plo Koon. I'm like, what a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So Love. good. Uh, and another fun little thing was that John Favreau mentioned that live action Ahsoka, that idea has been floating around and in the works for a, over 10 years, according to him, which I'm like, Jesus Christ. I I mean, I feel like we knew, I mean, think about right now, 10 years ago, Star Wars Rebels hadn't even come out yet. And they yeah. were already talking about it at that point. Like, that's cool. That's neat. For sure. Yeah. Oh, what else? Um, oh, yeah. I thought it was funny, too, that it sounded like in the article that they were like, oh, Rosario Dawson would be great. And then they saw her comment on a fan cast thing and was like, oh, great. We need to talk to her now. Let's bring her in. All because fan casting. And she was like, yay. Hashtag Ahsoka Liz. The fact that she used that hashtag and that somehow made it back to the people at Lucasfilm, I'm like, that's so cool. Because it really kind of did show like, okay, she actually does have some working knowledge of this or somebody was, somebody told her like, hey, hashtag Ahsoka lives and they'll fucking, they'll go crazy for it. And hey, it worked. Here we are. X amount of years later. Indeed. So exciting. Uh, we get lots of little pictures all up in this article. Some Ahsoka behind the scenes. Yeah, there's some good stuff here. One of them is of this Inquisitor that people were losing their minds about on Twitter this past week, being like, oh my god, who is this Inquisitor? The Inquisitor is not mentioned in the article at all. It's literally just a picture. It's so funny. I mean, it could be the Inquisitor girl. Maybe. Whatever girl with a helmet on. You mean Sheen or whatever, Shen, whatever her name is? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Maybe. I think some people had, somebody had speculated at one point on Twitter that the stunt coordinator for the show, Ming, who's talked about in a lot of these interviews, that that might be her under there playing that character. I'm like, I don't know. I wonder if it's like a flashback or if this is a fucking present day thing. I don't know. But Ooh. this is, it's its just interesting, the idea alone that an Inquisitor could have survived this long of where we are in the time, the timeline, apparently, for this show. You never know. I mean, Jedi are making it. Right? All those Jedi survived Order 66. And that was the other thing I saw a bunch of people complaining about, I think, when it came out that Balin Skull, or whatever his name is, uh, is an Order 66 survivor, and we'll get into that. But people were just like... Were, did any Jedi die? Did, did they all survive? Like, we're getting the farther we go in the canon, like, the more and more it seems like there are just so many Jedi that survived 
order 66 and it's like well, there's not that it's really not that many though <laughs> like i mean so there were like 10,000 jedi left right something like that if 1% survived that's 100 and yeah. we definitely don't know of 100 survivors no we don't so less than 1% that's a pretty small right percentage but if that many jedi can survive apparently an inquisitor can too so Hopefully we find out who exactly this is. Um, there's a fun theory running around that it might be Barris is this Inquisitor under the mask. I'm like, oh my god, that's dark. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be whack. Right? I'm like, Barris was like a little bit of a villain in that one character arc or that one arc of the Clone Wars, but she wasn't wrong. You know? Like, all of her her ideas were correct. It was just the execution that went poorly on her end but she wasn't like a bad person the idea that she would have gone this entire time and somehow morphed into an inquisitor i'm like god damn girl must have seen some shit i mean kind of like what else she gonna do though right like i'm so bored i need to become an inquisitor just to pass the time (laughs) (laughs) i need a job (laughs) right i'm like does this pay like this pays right get to hang out with vader the emperor maybe i don't know old old grandy like play some uno yeah there you go could you imagine all of them just sitting around playing uno yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes or monopoly oh my god that would get so violent they couldn't play monopoly i think uno is as far as it could go (laughs) they'd be like slowly shifting over like their little houses and hotels to the next most expensive one over time they'd be like like, force pushing them across the board (laughs) yeah or you don't have the money you think you do (laughs) Jedi mind tricking all over this bitch. You want to trade for part hotel with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Bum. We get a little more into Ahsoka and her line of "I am no Jedi" being fetid, which I loved that word. Yeah, they built they they expanded on that a little bit in this article. And really it was just kind of Dave Filoni clarifying that really like it's because of what happened, you know, with Order 66 and the Jedi Order in general kind of falling from grace and not being the I don't know how you want to say it, the honorable organization it sort of claimed it to be that she apparently just ref- thinks of herself as a wanderer at this point and doesn't really want to get involved in any kind of organization because of the sort of power shift that comes with that which i think makes a lot of sense i actually really like Mm -hmm. that explanation it's got sort of grounds in like the real world you know a lot of people don't want to have any part of organized religion anymore because of all of the things that come along with that so i think that that makes a lot of sense in this day and age and where she would be in sort of in her journey follows like the old ways of the jedi order but she's not she removed herself from it. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see her in real life. And then the article also is like, yeah, so many badass women. Uh, and talked a little about about how Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she just watched like a select set of episodes. Of Rebels. Of Rebels. Just to kind of get like, see Hera experience emotions and kind of study her a little bit and then stopped when she started filming um, to like kind of make live action a little different, which also makes sense. I mean, Hera's a totally different person. She's got that kid, like all sorts of things. And then I keep wanting to call her Lizzie Borden. (laughs) 
<laughs> Natasha Lou Bordizzo, yeah, she said the same. She said something similar that she watched a lot of Rebels and then when filming started, just kind of stopped so that she could sort of make it her own. Yeah, she was like, I watched everything Star Wars I can get my hands on. I'm like, mm, okay. Cool. Love that for her. Nice. Good job. I know. Uh, they were all on, <laughs> they did an episode of the Dagobah Dispatch, which is the Entertainment Weekly Star Wars podcast. There's an interview with them at like the last 15 minutes or so of one of their episodes that's really good. And they talk a lot about that stuff too. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was also watching The Greatest Showman the other day. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah. You like musicals. I fucking love the shit out of that movie. Um, Natasha Lou Bordizzo is in it, and I didn't realize it. And I oh. like just happened, it was on the movie was on TV, and I happened to look up while the credits were rolling, and her name popped up on the screen on the credits, and I was like, wait a minute, what? And so I had I just had to Google it. She's like kind of in the background, but she's like one of the circus performers slash dancers. I don't huh. think she has any speaking roles. It's a, It must be a pretty small role, but you can see pictures of her if you Google it. I'm just like, oh, who knew? I had no idea. All right. Yeah. Nice. God, all these people, three names. It makes it really confusing. Right? Calm down, everybody, with these three names. Just Could we just have two? Or one. Yeah. Like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> or Cher. <laughs> yeah. Or... Thrawn. Thrawn, mm-hmm. yes. Speaking of Thrawn, good one, Laura. Yeah. They talked about how they chose him, and it was kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type deal. And yeah, I guess makeup took like three hours every day. That must have been fun to clean your face. Yeah. Good God. I cannot even imagine. And I wonder, I don't know, did they even mention the contacts or the red eyes in, in this article? I don't know if they did, but I assume he's wearing contacts so. since everybody else is wearing them. Ahsoka's got them in. Um, yeah, I'd imagine so. But they talked about how they made some, thro- or Mickelson specifically, Lars Mickelson made some sort of tweaks to the voice of the character for live action. And the way he kind of ex- explained this is that, you know, it was a very melodious thing that he was doing with the voice acting in Star Wars Rebels. And it's a little bit over the top when you try to do that in live action. So it sounds like he's pulling it back. Just a little bit, like tweaking it slightly, staying true to the character, but it's not quite as, yeah, what it was in Rebels. It's not going to be exactly the same thing. So mentally prepare thyselves now. Mentally preparing. It'll still be great. I have every faith in it. I do too. Every faith. I have no doubt in my mind that Thrawn's going to be freaking great. I can't wait. I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm so excited and so happy that they went with him for this role and not... (laughs) fucking pierce brosnan or some stupid shit thank you for saying no doubt because i was like every faith doesn't sound right no maybe not that can't be a saying (laughs) but no doubt is very much correct okay i flipped opposites okay (laughs) cool we also find out more about our surprise inquisitor sith whatever people ray stevenson the main dude he is balan skull and the person with him is Shen Hati. Hmm? Yes. A master and apprentice. They're going to fight Ahsoka. Duh. Um, Ray or Balin was a Jedi who survived Order 66. And this dude died recently. Yeah. Sadly, Ray Stevenson. I think this happened maybe the, I don't remember when it happened in relation to when we last recorded, but he died unexpectedly uh, on a film set in Italy. 
a few weeks back. Oof. And yeah, that is extremely sad that That's this awful. is going to sort of be a swan song for him. Oh, so awful and also kind of like awkward, you know? Yeah. And like, I just was listening to that, that Dagoba Dispatch today. There's an interview where they sit down with all, you know, with the, with the women, with, um, Rosario and Mary Elizabeth and with Natasha. And then there's a separate interview where they sit down with the villains. So it's Lars Mickelson, Ray Stevenson, um, the actress that plays Shin Hadi, whose name escapes me, and um, the actress who plays Morgan Elspeth. And they were talking, uh, he, like, Ray Stevenson, like, dominates the conversation. Like, he is so excited to be there and be talking about Star Wars and be talking about this character and the journey and all of the process of, like, making the show come together. And it is just devastating the thought that he that that's you know where where this journey is going to end for him i'll be really curious to see where his story ends up this character story ends up oh god it's too bad all right next up some bo katan alerts i wish we could play like the old timey alert sound you know it's like like you see in movies bo katan rumor alerts you'll have to send me whatever that sound actually is i have no idea what you're talking about I don't think I made the right sound, but it was close. Bo-Katan alert. Yeah, I can't. Okay. <laughs> okay, so on June 4th, there was a, Fien- uh, a Comic-Con sort of convention, some something nerd convention panel in Phoenix, and Katie Sackhoff was there and talked um, a little bit about, you know, filming The Mandalorian Season 3 and all that kind of fun stuff. But she, I guess, mentioned while she was at that panel that she had been on set for Ahsoka at one point, um, but did not specify sort of in what capacity she was there. Like, it wasn't necessarily clear that she was there working. Like, she may have just been visiting the set. But people are now starting to talk and starting to speculate because I guess recently Brendan Wayne did an appearance on some podcast and he revealed that he was also on set of the Ahsoka show. And it's like, well, why would Din Djarin's body double be on set for Ahsoka? And why would Bo-Katan... Beyond said for Soka, if they weren't, I don't, I don't know. So the plot thickens. Yeah. Although was Ahsoka and Mandalorian was there any crossover filming time? No, there was not. So okay. those shows did not film at the same time. Mandalorian season three wrapped up filming in March 2022, I think, and Ahsoka didn't start filming until early May of 2022. Because I remember at Celebration that year, they were like, we, we've all been filming for about three weeks. We started May 7th, and my brother's mm. birthday is May 7th, so that it stuck in my mind. You know, maybe they had to go, like, dig through the Lost and Found box. Oh, yeah. They had to just be like, oh, no, what if I happen to just, like, take a Mandalorian helmet with me away from the sun? <laughs> oh, no, whoopsies. <laughs> An earring fell off or something. Must look in box. I just need to be here on set. It's not to watch. I don't. I don't want to watch the filming or anything and get some inside scoop on what's happening because I can. I'm just here to get the sweater I left in my trailer. <laughs> that toothbrush is really important to me. Yeah, it is. Like you got attachment to that stuff. You got to go get it back. Yeah. That Glade plug in that's in the wall, got to grab that thing, take it with mm-hmm. you. But yeah, so Katie Sackhoff was saying no, she was not, she's not in it, which she has to say that, right? I mean, like, she would have to say that even if she's in it. So you never know. Um, but then she was also on the Playlists podcast, which is called Bingeworthy, and she again said that she's not in Ahsoka, but then said, then again, you never know, we have such heavy NDAs. Um, so she's got her, I think, sights set on a season 
I think, an, like, a Bo-Katan spinoff. I feel like anytime anybody, like, asks about asks her about it, she just, like, gets real quiet and smiles. And I'm like, well, I also want that. So let's, how do we make that happen? Yeah. Who do I scram at on Twitter for that? I bet they're going to make an appearance. They're going to have a run in. You would like to think so, right? I mean, like, they had Din Djarin take over three episodes of Boba Fett's show. That was only seven episodes. We're getting eight episodes of Ahsoka. Surely there's some room in there for a little mm-hmm. Mandalorian fun. Also, we're, the only reason that that Din Djarin knew where to find Ahsoka Tano on that planet was because Bo-Katan told him. BFFs. Yeah, told him where to go. So I'm like, clearly they're still in touch. I feel like that's mm-hmm. reason enough to bring Bo-Katan into the show, even just for a little p- appearance. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Why not? I'm here for that. I want it. You know who I don't want to see in Ahsoka? Who? Luke. I would also pass on a Luke Skywalker appearance. I don't need it. I just don't need mm-hmm. it. I'm fine with Mando or the baby. But I'll say this. If they are going to bring Luke into the Ahsoka show for whatever reason, for fuck's sake, just recast him. Stop it with this like deep fake bullshit and just have that actor who looks a lot like a young Mark Hamill anyway. Just have him play the role. Like, why are we messing with bringing Mark Hamill on the set and doing all the CGI nonsense when you've got an actor standing right there looking close enough to... It's so bizarre. We've got to innovate and stuff. Right? I'm like, you all decided to take liberties with Hera and her whole look. Like, let me give you permission to take some liberties with Luke. Let's just get a new actor in there, you guys. Come on. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But yeah. that's just my opinion. Yeah. And Alice's opinion, because she's the one who brought it up that we don't need Luke and Ahsoka. <laughs> we don't need Tatooine either. No, thank you. We also don't need that. How about just no sand planet in general? Yeah, we don't need sand. Well, actually, we are going to we are gonna have sand. We know that, because there are some like sort of rocky, sandy-looking oh. like video clips in the, in the trailer. So because I started re-watching Rebels, I was like, oh, fuck. I forgot that Tatooine is too... Skywalker has Lothal is two rebels. Yes. <sighs> yeah, but Lothal is not entirely sand planet. I mean, yeah. it's so much prettier. And I actually like we'll get into it when we when we talk about rebels, but and our rewatch, but rewatching season one, there are so many scenes where I'm just like, God damn, Lothal's pretty. Like there's like one episode that opens up with like a shot of Lo- a wide shot of Lothal at night. I'm just like, God damn, that planet is like gorgeous. It's so nice. So I will happily take as much Lothal content as they want, and I would happily never see Tatooine ever again. I'd love to have Naboo, but right, uh, bikers can't be choosers, so they say. Someday, maybe. I mean, they can do all kinds of cool shit with the volume, and I would love to see some of that cool shit be Naboo adjacent. Please. Uh, all right. So I think our last Ahsoka thing. Oh, we powered through that. Mm-hmm. Is the person who plays Shen Hati. However, that's pronounced Ivana Sakno. Mm-hmm. EW did an interview with her, and I just love how she looks. Her hair is so cool with her little bangs and her little like edgy bob. Right, she's got um, like beach waves. <laughs> yeah, and the in the interview they talk a little bit about how it's like Thrawn, Morgan Elsbeth, and these two Sith Inquisitor, evil Jedi people mercenaries whatever how they're kind of like a little a crew so we'll probably see them all together um 
how she or kind of the whole cast did a whole lot of like fighting stuff and we're on a regiment with like ice baths twice a week and i'm like whoa what kind of fighting stuff do they actually have you doing that you need ice baths twice a week i'd be like hey stunt double yeah hello well imagine (laughs) if it was like your entire job to be able to do this i'm like you don't have to like work out in your Mm -hmm. off time because you're doing your regular job during the day and you only have time to work out before or after work. It's like, that was their whole ass job was to like get in shape for this. So yeah, I imagine they were going pretty hard and an ice bath sounds like a nightmare to me, but I imagine if you're super sore, it must feel good. I don't know. Maybe. I have no desire for that. Um, so Ivana says, Shen is quite an intense and ambitious force wielder. She's very skilled in lightsaber combat and she's a new character, so I don't want to give away too much of who she is. Exciting. Uh, she hints there's more to Shen than just mere fear, anger, hate, and suffering. Well, there always is. There's always something else, you know? Mm-hmm. She can't just be a straight dark side user. There's always got to be, like, something that draws us in to that character and makes us care about her and makes us want her to have a redemption arc that, who knows, maybe that maybe it'll go there, maybe it won't. Yeah, and she says, I really care so much about her, and I feel like it's my job to take care of her and protect her. See, that sentence alone, that makes me think that there's, like, it it just makes me think of, like, the Mandalorian season three trailer and how it kind of made Bo-Katan look like the villain of it, and then that very much ended up not being the case. And I'm like, I just wonder if there's going to be some sort of turnaround for one of them, either Shin or Balin. That, that goes in that, or like they're not necessarily on the side that it seems like they're on based on what we've seen in the trailer. I mean, his character's a mercenary, so they could be on any side, really. Right. And I don't think that there's ever, they're never referred to as Sith, like in this article or like, right. or anything like that. They are, they're referred to as like dark side users, force wielders, but there's nothing specific tying them to the Sith so far and what we what we know about these characters i don't think yeah just that they're bad guys and have orangey reddish lightsabers Mm -hmm. for a reason i'm sure we'll find out yeah yeah but it sounds like there's gonna be some decent backstory hopefully that we get with this character because she talks about how she hopes that we as the audience are able to expand our understanding of the darkness within someone and the reason behind it so i'm like that's that is intriguing. This character was intriguing enough to me, but now I'm just like, what in the world? This is going to go like so much deeper. And I just really hope that in these eight episodes, they spend enough time or dedicate enough time to letting that play out, you know? Yeah. And they're not like, hey, enjoy this 24-minute episode of Ahsoka like they do with The Mandalorian. I'm like, oh my god, why? You have an hour. Use it. Ah, uh, Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I'm open-minded. I'm not like digging around looking for information about anything in particular. And I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah. August 23rd. I'm so glad we have a date and that it's not the actual last Wednesday in August, which is for sure what I thought they were going to do. I mean, they they were cutting it close a little bit. Yeah, they are. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it's the second to last Wednesday in, in, in August, but... It'll be great. All things good. Oh my god, I just had a thought. What? What if they show, they do an advanced screening of the first episode at Comic-Con? I wonder if their Comic-Con schedule's already out. It's like mid-June now. I bet it's already out. I feel like they wouldn't do an advanced screening that far ahead. Like, if they were going to do an advanced screening, I think it would be a couple of days. Mm, That's fair. Because there's no way, like, a couple of days you can contain leaks a little better. 
and you would have all the people vetted like highly vetted versus a couple of months with like a shit ton of randos maybe they'll get a clip maybe they'll get something yeah yeah they could get a clip or maybe like the first five minutes or something the downside of that is that all of them will come out and just be like it looks super flat the volume fucking sucks it's gonna be so boring it was so i'm like i don't want to hear it so now I'm kind of hoping yep. that they don't get that, not only because I'm not going to be at Comic-Con and I will be jealous if they get that, um, but I don't I don't want to hear anyone's opinion about it. I'm good. I'm, I'm, Fair I'm, enough. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that wraps up Ahsoka news. Yeah. Oh. Lots of Ahsoka stuff. On to other things. We have Pedro Pascal, article in Collider about voice acting and how uh, the challenge of getting emotion from a dude in a mask holding a puppet. Yeah, this was a really interesting write-up by Collider where they talked about, where they revealed some information I feel like I didn't necessarily know about the process mm-hmm. of making The Mandalorian. And maybe this isn't how it's always been, but it sounds like at least for this season that they had Pedro pre-recording lines before they actually start shooting so that when they're on the set, that the doubles kind of have some indication of like what they should be doing, I guess, beyond just what's written on the page. And uh, then they go back and re-record and, you know, maybe change some things later. But I didn't know that this pre-recording was part of it. Like the idea that he has to sit and do it twice. I'm like, oh my, that's yeah, that's more work than I thought it would be for him. And I'm sure it's a lot of work as it is. I didn't know that either, but I guess it makes sense because like, I feel like your body would move different with different intonations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they can hear the intonations, that might impact how they interact. Yeah. Of kind of what it's going to sound like. So it makes sense. But I, I figured they just added it all in later. Yeah. It's it's an interesting uh, insight into the process in this Collider article. So we'll link to it. Um if people want to read up on it, but it made me think of some of those early images that we saw of Pedro um, recording sound and instead of like holding a baby Yoda puppet, he had like a pillow that he would be holding. <laughs> so we would like see him sort of like moving around with, and I was like, I always just figured he was doing that after a fact and just being silly, but I'm like, maybe they were doing that ahead of time. And I, I kind of love that actually. It's, it's just, it's even more adorable now. Oh, <laughs> Yay. Very cool. Next up, Variety came out with their like actors on actors thingy. And Hayden Christensen and Diego Luna were paired up to discuss Star Wars. And it was like a really cute bromance type interview. It's adorable. I just read the transcript. Yeah. I love this interview. It was like so cute. And what an odd pairing. Like what a random pairing of people that you could have grabbed from Star Wars to put together in a room. Which I love even more. I know. And it's so weird to think that they're like the same age. Oh, that is weird. <laughs> Right? Because I'm like, I, I picture Hayden Christensen so much younger, but then I know he's older because he was young like 15, 20 years ago. But Diego Luna, he seems older, but his character's younger. I I don't know. I know. It's kind of a mind fuck a little bit. Yeah. So it's them just kind of like growing out like, I love you, man. I love you, man. Like, tell me about how great this is. And Hayden Christensen talks about how he loves Rogue One and was so excited and loved Andor. And Diego Luna didn't know what he was walking into to talk with the director for Andor. His agent was like, it might be Star Wars, or but I don't Rogue know. One. They only want to see you. Oh, yeah. Rogue One. Sorry. They're like, oh, they want to meet with you like in secret at a restaurant with no one else in it. 
And he was like, all right. And Diego Luna, the stuff he says is really interesting, kind of about like his experience in Hollywood and how he didn't think he'd ever have the chance to do something like this that was more like kind of gritty and offbeat without kind of like selling yourself out. Yeah. He's like, nobody in Star Wars sounds like me. Like nobody has my accent. So he just never thought that it was ever even a possibility of something he'd get to do. And then when he was invited to have a meeting with Garrett, Gareth Edwards, it sounds like the two of them just broed out for like four hours, just sitting and talking about Star Wars stuff and what, what Gareth had envisioned for, for Cassian Andor. Um, and then Luna, Diego Luna mentioned that, like, I guess Gareth Edwards saw E2 Mama Tambien, which is a very popular, much loved film. Um, and he's like, who would have thought? Like, that was the movie that somebody saw and was just like, that got me my chance to be in Star Wars. Like, that's so wild. Uh, they talked about stuff they got to keep from the set. So Diego <laughs> Luna's like, I got to keep my jacket, which I bet smells so bad. Oh, my God, he was right? talking about how hot it was where they were filming how much he sweat in it and then Hayden Christensen I feel like I didn't know this but he kept some lightsabers like it sounded like he maybe kept one from the prequels and he kept both of them from Kenobi the Anakin and the Vader but evidently they're metal yeah I don't, he was talking a lot about how especially when they were fighting with those metal rods in the prequel days that like you'd mess up and you get your knuckles slapped somehow and that would leave a mark and I'm like oh my god <laughs> that sounds brutal man like that's why they that's why it's their whole job to train that right there so you don't lose your knuckles yeah it's a good it's a, it's like a sweet little article and I think there's uh I think I saw there's also Melanie Linsky and Natasha Leone Oh, that's an interesting pairing, too. I love that. Isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. And did you hear the news? There's going to be a, like, random special episode of Yellow Jackets. I did. I saw that. I was like, what in the world? I didn't even make that connection that there were 10 episodes in season one and only nine in season two. I was like, oh, my God. How exciting. Yeah, it's going to be like a random-ass story sometime. So, I don't know. It'll be a surprise, but yay. Yeah. Is the Melanie Linsky-Natasha Leone thing already out, or is that, like, coming soon from Friday? I just saw, like, a snippet on Instagram, a picture of them together that said actors on actors. Okay. And I was like, oh. And then when I was Googling for Star Wars news and saw this, I was like, oh, I think that's what it, like, hmm, that might be it. Cute. Hot dog. Yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. Then the last piece, I don't know what all we knew or did not know about this, but High Republic Phase 3, there's some synopses revealed. I couldn't remember what all we got out of Celebration, what we didn't, because I feel like I like blacked out for a good part of it, and I like just don't. I was so excited, I just don't remember anything, and apparently that's a real thing that happens. My sister had it happen at the Taylor Swift concert. She's like, I don't remember any of it. I just was excited to be there. I'm like, cool. You paid a lot of, we each paid a lot of money for these things to not remember some stuff. So, um, but yeah, there, this article, uh, that Star Wars Newsnet posted breaks down some of the, the phase three highlights from Celebration. I had forgotten that Vernestra Rowe had actually been in various, I guess, types of books in, Phase one, I had in my mind that she was only in the middle grade novels, and that's not right. Like, she makes appearances in, like, every single type of medium 
in phase one. Just, I think most of her stuff is either young adult or middle grade, where she's sort of more front and center in the story. Yeah, or like maybe the comics. Yeah. Maybe like the Young Jedi Adventure comics. Do we know if there's going to be an audio drama for phase three? I'd imagine so. I would imagine so too. I can't remember if they announced it or not. I should have looked into it more, but I didn't. Um, Yeah. But yeah, there were some highlights from the phase three, um, phase three like panel where they talk a lot about what's going to be in some of these stories. Like the one that's like the tales of light and life is the anthology book, which I am so freaking excited for this book to come out. I need some of this in between information, especially now that we've wrapped up phase two and we know how it ends for the most part and what information we have and what we don't. But I'm excited to see that there's going to be a Marta Rowe focused story coming in that book. Yeah. Um, Another story about Axel and his mom. So there'll be some phase one and phase two stuff in that stories of light and light anthology. I'm excited for that. Um, But I think that I'm one of the things I'm really excited about is Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland teaming up again to write a young adult novel um, that's Defy the Storm is going to be out March 12th of 2024. And I think that's going to focus on Vernestra. So this article, the two or the little first little tidbit, November 14th is when phase three kicks off with George Mann adult novel. It sounds like January 30th is a middle grade reader escape from Vallow. I don't remember where Vallow is. It sounds familiar to me. That's where the the Republic Fair happened. Yeah, okay, there we go. Dark and dangerous time for the galaxy in which communication has been rendered nearly impossible in Nile-controlled space as the nefarious pirates continue to threaten the Republic's very existence. Join Jedi Padawans, including Ram Jamaram, as they plot their escape from enemy territory. I don't think I'll be reading that one. Yeah, I did not care for that character at all. Um, It sounds like the Star Wars Insider short stories that are going to be part of Phase 3 are going to revolve around um, the Occlusion Zone, which is something related to Valo and the Nihil and maybe Ram's story, maybe not. Um, So those may or may not be a yes for me too, but... Star Wars Insider mm-hmm. also available on the Libby app if you like to read things for free. Sponsored by Libby and Peloton. Yeah, right. <laughs> Use code Force Toast Ten. Yeah, as always. Neither of those things sponsor us, but they could. It is an option if they wanted to. Libby might be not for profit. I don't know. That might. I don't have no idea. So it can be a PSA for libraries. Exactly. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is uh, us doing our good deed and promoting yeah. library stuff. So magnanimous. Mm-hmm. Can't even stand it. Uh, so the other synopsis we got is what Laura was talking about earlier, Defy the Storm, the young adult novel, March 12th of next year with Fernestra. And the synopsis is one year after the fall of Starlight Beacon, the galaxies in chaos. An anarchistic group known as the Nile has taken over a section of space known as the Occlusion Zone. Jedi Knight Vernestra Rowe and scientist Avon Staros team up in an attempt to find a way through the Nile Stormwall to save those on the other side. But what are their real plans? And what of the nameless creatures that can destroy the Jedi Order? The battle has just begun. It's going to be really interesting to see how Avon reacts to any potential information she gets of what happened to her mother on Starlight Beacon, which hopefully nobody 
is able to tell her like, oh yeah, she got cut in half. Like, hopefully that's not a thing that she has to find out in picture. But I I will be interested to see where they go with Avon as a character because she really was, she was a cool character, but she was mildly annoying in like the middle grade stuff because she's just like a kid basically. And we're only one year after that those stories were set. So I'm just, I just kind of hope that she's, while she is cool, she's a little annoying. I hope she's less annoying. (laughs) I'd kind of forgotten about what happened to her mom. And by kind of, I mean totally. But um, it's going to be weird to, like, get back into phase one gear, I feel like, after phase two. Yeah. Might need to do some rereading um, or listening to maybe some of our old recaps of phase one things. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that brings us to the end of the news. So we'll do a quick drink break and maybe we both finally finish uh path of vengeance talk a little about that and carry on our wayward sons yeah we are back recap on tab i think we both finished path of vengeance this week in the past week yeah it sure took their sweet fucking time getting the audiobook out so i had to wait until like june 6th before i could actually start listening to it which i did as much as i could i read about 60 percent of the book on the ebook and then when i as soon as i was able to i switched to the audiobook and i was able to get through it in like two or three days it's amazing amazing how quickly i can get through it once you give me the audiobook i don't like these delays i don't like it at all alice i'm sorry i just i can't i can't commiserate with you there I've got to no. do my, like, eye reading. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I was able to take, like, it's nice being able to, like, take notes, like, good notes while I'm, like, I'm highlighting shit. Like, I like that, but I'm just, it just takes me way too long to actually read, read. So. Yeah. Reading is my bedtime activity, so I don't look at any screens that aren't my Kindle. Paper white. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to talk some spoilers about this book, so if you haven't finished it and you do plan to read it, Look at our show notes and we'll let you know what to skip because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody by accident. But if you have read it or you don't plan to and just want to know what happens, stick around. All right. So I think we had both just started it. We were like 20, 30% in when we last talked about it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Kind of quick recap of what we knew last time is that it's Battle of Jeddah onwards from pretty much Marta Rowe and Yana. And Yana Rowe's point of view. They talk to dead people. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And then they head back to Dalna, basically. And then the Battle of Dalna happens. And then we get their sort of aftermath when we, yeah. in the in the last adult novel of phase two, we got the sort of aftermath from the Jedi's point of view. And the aftermath of this, we get the aftermath of the Battle of Dalna from the sort of path of the open hands point of view. But when they got back to Dalna is where we kind of left off of what we knew in our last episode a few interesting things that happen in the middle we have uh yeah da, 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 da. we see a lot more mother with the leveler creatures we get their actual species name the shirakiki or something shirakiri sharikari i didn't know that was their species name is that I what it was it is. Yeah, the Sharikaris. So the it's like a nursery rhyme in phase one that they say oh. it's like Shri Kara Kara is like a, it's like in, like a poem nursery rhyme. I don't know what it is, but it's like a oh. thing that they recite. 
and it it shows up in at least one novel and it shows up in the comics at least in the trail of shadows but maybe some of the other comics too oh i was reading it has their species name so that's even more fucked up it's like when a child in a horror movie starts singing i'm a little teapot yeah it's fucking creepy as hell yeah Mm -hmm. that's exactly it actually that's a that's a good thing to compare it to ew um yeah so a few things that happen that are cool is marta goes on a mission to planet x where the levelers eggs are it's like a crazy force planet and it makes everyone happy and feel special but they collect leveler eggs and we see that planet a little bit i think in the martian row comic I think they go there to get more eggs, They too. do. And I think that there's the middle grade novels of Phase 2 Center, I think, on Planet X, but I didn't read those. Mm. And the mission that she goes on, she goes with Sunshine Dobbs, who we met earlier in this phase. And she goes with Bokana, who's a new character introduced in this book, who helps out the Path of the Open Hand at the Battle of Jeddah. Kind of with no explanation, like he's just like there and then he just goes back to them, goes back to Delna with them and he's like, I'm going to be a part of your group now. She saved his life. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Mm -hmm. But he was like a path member before or maybe not. I don't know. But he goes back with them and he's Novician, which is the same alien species as Bulio in The Rise of Skywalker. So a group goes to get the eggs. Not the whole group comes back. They bring the eggs to the mother. She's like, we put those eggs on pedestals, yo. And then they use the rods of daybreak and seasons to hatch the eggs. Marta's like, I'm going to control these. And Marta kind of just goes a little unhinged. She gets real unhinged in this book. It's kind of <laughs> cool, actually. Yeah, she goes on a little power trip. Meanwhile, the Jedi, we kind of see how when in, uh, what was that last book? Uh, Cataclysm. Yeah, in Cataclysm, where all these Jedi show up out of nowhere, we see like where they actually come from. But a lot of the fighting and the Battle of Donna itself, we don't see to a super extent. A lot of it's set in the caves. Yeah, it definitely doesn't take up as much of the book as Cataclysm did. Like, I feel like Cataclysm was like at least half Battle of Donna. This book is like, it feels something like the last 20 to 30% would be a big, a high estimate, I think, of how much it actually, how much of it actually takes place in this book. And there's little references to things in Cataclysm, but it's mostly in the caves and Yana being like, oh, Marta, like, snap out of it. Marta's like, fuck you, and slices her arm off. And it's just like a whole thing. It is. Yeah. She slices up her hand, but yeah. Yeah. Same difference. Uh,. And then what else? Marta has a change of heart. She drowns the baby levelers. The big one's still around. She realizes that the mother's been using the force and is highly offended because they keep making a point to be like, oh, she looks so old. She looks so old. And even in Cataclysm, they were like, oh, she looks old and frail, looks old and frail. Turns out she was letting the leveler feed off her arm and it was slowly turning to stone. Yeah, she was like, she's got some sort of like special force abilities. Or maybe it's just that her force abilities weren't entirely developed because her only force ability is essentially that she can like charm people like she can get into people's minds and like kind of almost seduce them with charm. Like, mm-hmm. without them really realizing it. So it, that's what happens to Sunshine Dobbs when we first meet him in uh, Path of Deceit. That's sort of what's going on. And he comes to realize it at some point um, in this book and decides to, like, take off with some treasures. And then it's not actually clear to me if Yana kills him or not. She wants to, like, take his ship 
So she shoots him, I think, at some point. But I'm like, then she, the way he's brought up again later in the book, I'm just like, wait, is he dead or not? I don't think so. She locked him in the treasure hut. That's not the right word. She locked him in the treasure hut. And when she went back, treasure and he were both gone. So I think he probably made it, but we don't know how he made it out. Yeah. Yana's like, Marta, snap out of it. Like kill the last leveler marta's like no i'm gonna keep this one uh and then she goes off on the gaze electric after killing the mother and the jedi are dealing with fallout they've gone a little cuckoo from being around the levelers but yeah the story was so much more contained than cataclysm which was pure chaos yeah cataclysm i mean jumped around to a lot of different characters points of views and there's kind of just there's Marta and there's Yana and then there's some there's a Jedi named Maddie and we sort of see the story play out from her point of view as, as well. She's a like red slash pinkish skinned Twi'lek that is heavily featured in the comic. So we first meet her there and she goes on her whole journey there with a bunch of characters that kind of make an appearance in this book, but they're not mm-hmm. a huge part of it. She's kind of our other main character that we're seeing the story uh, from her point of view. And she's running around with a Jedi named Olivia Zeveron, who we later find out. We had all sort of suspected that she was related to the mother somehow, since their last names are the same. And it seems like the entire book, Olivia kind of knows what's coming. Like she kind of knows, she knows who the mother is and can recognizes her at some point earlier in the novel when she actually encounters her. But we don't find out until the very end of the book that they are, in fact, sisters. Woo! Yeah, so overall, what were overall thoughts on it? Um, I was really frustrated by this book for a couple of different reasons. I was frustrated by the sort of references to things that had happened in the comics that I'm, that like weren't explained fully here. I felt like I had, was missing a bunch of mm-hmm. information when I read this book, because I read like the first three issues of the comics, but then I stopped. And I'm like, I maybe I would have felt totally different if I hadn't read any of them, or if I had read all of them. But because I was in a sort of in between, I, I it was just sort of frustrating to me. I also was like, this book was a little bit slow for me. Not just because I didn't have the audiobook, but like the last 20% of it is so good and so exciting. And I loved it so much. So it mm-hmm. stuck the landing, at least for me. But for the vast majority of this book, I was like literally just skipping ahead because I was just like, just get to it. Like, tell me what happens. Like, let's, what is all this beating around the bush? I was frustrated by that. And then yeah. I'm very frustrated for the most part about the Mari reveal that happens at the end of this book. Um, with regards to like who her parents allegedly are. I'm like, why are you just now introducing these two characters and connecting them to a major character from phase one, Mari Santeca, and not like, why would you not have introduced these characters and let us build a connection to them earlier in phase two? I'm just like, you're- whoa, I don't remember this. Did what you not catch? This? So the character Shay, who's the engineer that goes on the trip to planet X with them, Her, like, boyfriend or whatever is this guy, Geth, who's in the other ship. The -hmm. ship explodes, or his ship explodes, so he dies. And then we find out later that she's pregnant with his kid. And she tells Marta, if it's a boy, I'm going to name him Geth. And if it's a girl, I'm going to name her Mari. And Mari was born right in this specific 
Mari Santeca was born in this particular era. And Geth, we never learn his last name. How do we know Mari Santeca was born in this era? Her, like, birthday is on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Okay. So they didn't actually say it. No. In the book. No. They kind of just hint at it, which is a choice, It's, it's which is fine. I, I can accept that. But it just is... I just wish... I'm like, I wish I cared about either of these two characters that are her alleged parents. Like... I, I just am like, who this character Shay and this character Geth are introduced in this book. You had all of these other characters. Like, you could have, int- if you wanted to introduce or have her be related to any of these characters in phase two, like, why not Ziri and Fontu? Or like, Gela and Axel, like, establish those characters late earlier in the phase so that I actually care about them. Like, I just, they introduce them in this book and it's like, then there's this reveal that they're probably Mari's parents. And I'm just like, why, why do I care? I don't care. I didn't even remember the lady's name, the old lady's name in phase one. Yeah. Is that Mari in the jar? Yeah, Mari Santeca. thought her name was Anna or something. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, so that's like this end of the ending of the book is like supposed to like slap in that way. And I'm just like, uh, it's fine, I, I guess. Like, we also don't ever really get the reveal. Like, who is Marcion Roe related to? Is it Yana or Marta? And I would be much more interested in having learned that, I guess, than who is related to Mari Santeca. Like, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. So I overall, I found this book very frustrating. And I there are lots of p- parts of it that I really like. Um, I really like Marta as a character. And I overall, I, I like her journey that she goes on in phase two. And sort of how unhinged she becomes. And then how she's like so disrespectful and how she turns on the mother in such a major way in this book like that felt very satisfying but the last 20 percent of the book was great the majority of it i was just mostly frustrated so where did you land with it like i don't even remember what your thoughts were when you were at the 20 30 percent mark and what you were thinking about it i kind of felt like it was also a bit of a trudge mm-hmm. because it took me a month to read mm-hmm. which i normally read these books way faster than that like i'm normally done in couple weeks i think comparing the pace was just like what i'm glad i read the comics there's a new issue or the final issue just came out for the main run of the high republic comic oh did you end up reading you read all of them i read yeah the first nine. Oh, good for I you think it's worth it to read them oh yeah yeah it was just a bit of a trudge and like i was pretty much so high off of cataclysm and like the franticness and all this stuff that this was like much more muted yeah it was good to have but i wonder if the point of phase two is to explain phase one or inform phase three or both well i imagine that's the that's yeah it's probably both but in terms of like, I feel like I was reading a lot of articles where like the authors of these two books, like Lydia uh, Kang wrote Cataclysm, Kevin Scott wrote this, that they were like in communication a bunch about mm-hmm. things and like the pacing of things and what is happening when, since their books sort of overlap. And may- I'm sure that was the case, but I, I'm like, and maybe there were other influences and other changes that were made around the sort of structure of all of this. Mm-hmm. But I just found this sort of structure and how things were overlapping somewhat inconsistent, but mostly just kind of frustrating to follow. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that the phase started and ended with young adult novels. Yeah. And I think this is a perfect bookend to Path to Deceit. And this also this phase, I think, is one of versus the last one, at least. The audio drama is 100% necessary. Yeah. 100%. And the comics also helpful. 
Yeah, you do need it. Um, although now that you mentioned Battle of Jeddah, one character that I was really missing from this, and maybe I know people are just going to be like, well, read the middle grade novels. I missed Solandra Show. We didn't get mm-hmm. her in Cataclysm, and we didn't get her in this book. We only got her in Battle of Jeddah, and then she's in yeah. the middle grade novels, allegedly. And I'm like, I, I'll read, I guess I will have to read them, because I really like her character, and I wish she'd had a bigger role in the mm-hmm. adult and young adult novels. Because I'm like, well, where the hell does her story end? I'm like, where was this character? But... I mean, the end, for me, the kind of ending with the Jedi, this sort of, (laughs) this book seems to sort of contradict it a little bit for me, or just makes me question things. I'm like, the end of the, of Cataclysm, Yoda and Master Sun are just like, we're not going to talk about the leveler. Like, we're not going to tell anybody. We're just going to, like, take the secret to our grave, apparently. And then there's, like, the entire Jedi Council apparently shows up at the Battle of Dalna. And I'm like, did they all die? Or like, so none of them can talk about the leveler? Like, I was sitting here thinking Maddie was a fucking goner because like nobody else knows, can talk about the leveler if it's just down to Yoda and Master Sun are the only people that encountered it. And they're going to be the ones that decide that we're not going to talk about it. I'm like, okay, so you're just going to like silence all of these other Jedi that survived this battle that encountered this thing. I mean, they may not have been encountered. Like, sounds like the field was huge. But Maddie straight up encounters it, like sees them. And there's a couple other surviving Jedi that are with her that see it, encounter it, feel its effects, and then survive. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, so- But do they all go to, out to Coruscant, though? I don't know. Or like, maybe they go back to Dalna and like send their thing or someone's like, we're not going to talk about it. I don't know. I didn't think about it too hard, clearly. There's one character that like actually goes, it seems like he actually might go completely mad as a result of his encounter with the leveler. He's the one that's like sh- singing the Shri Kara Kara thing at the end. And so that was, that was interesting to sort of get the backstory on where that came from. It literally came from a guy that like lost his mind as a result of his encounter with the leveler. But And he's also the one that found Kevmo and his master turned to stone. Yeah. So that was cool tie-in that we got to kind of see the dude from the epilogue again. But it was good. It wasn't anything super special. I was glad to see Marta and Yana again and what goes on with that. Well, and they kind of reconcile too, which is nice because they spend this entire book at odds with each other. And I like mm-hmm. where we end off, end up with their relationship sort of, they go their separate ways. They take their separate paths. They each take one of the rods with them. Marta is just kind of thinking that the rod of Daybreak or whichever one she doesn't have went missing and got damaged mm-hmm. in the in the crossfire, but Yana actually secretly has it. So maybe in phase three, if that is a baby Santaka and Yana's out with the mom, maybe in phase three, like on, we'll go to Naboo because maybe they'll have that rod like on display. Like, look at this family treasure. It's on a pedestal. Mm, Okay. Interesting. That could be cool. A lot of this is making me want to like read phase one again, which I've been wanting to do for a while. And now I'm like even more motivated to do so. Cause I'm like, Oh, where is this stuff going to like tie back in that we learned? I feel like I'm not going to have time to reread phase one, but this is actually a circumstance where maybe audiobook wouldn't be a bad idea because I don't need to pay full attention because I loosely know what happens. Yeah. It would be a good recap and I can do it while I walk the dogs because right now I'm just listening to a Semilorillion lecture series because I ran out of stuff to listen to. Fascinating, yes. <laughs> this may be, maybe, maybe I'll do that. I know I shit on audiobooks all the time, but 
an audiobook would make sense for me in this situation. I know I'm biased, but they, I, I the audiobooks of Phase One are so freaking good. I mean, Light of the Jedi is so good as an audiobook. Like, I can't re- recommend it enough. It's great. It's a great book. The thing with Phase Two, I, I would say read all the books. I didn't read any of the young reader ones, but or the middle grade whatever's, but it's only four books and an audio drama and a comic run. Yeah. Yeah. A 10 issue comic run at that. I think it's worth it to do all of the all of those. Yeah. I'll definitely plan to finish the comics at some point cuz obviously something fairly traumatic goes down with with Maddie and the in the comic run that we sort of see her living through the like results of that and trying to process it when we meet her in Path of Vengeance. So, yeah. Having that background would have helped. And I did did I say this earlier that there's still a few issues left of the higher public adventures for phase two? Mm. Yeah, I saw that there's been a lot of delays. And I'm I'm kind of hoping that because they've decided to space phase three out quite a bit, that that will hopefully not be as big of an issue because there have been a lot of delays with phase two. And I don't want that for anyone. I hate it for us. So hopefully that gets <laughs> yeah. fixed. Boo. All right. Well, I'm excited for phase three. Yes, yes, very much so. Can't wait. Excited for that anthology. I hope we get that one early. We've got this Rise of the Red Blade book. I'll probably start it in a week or two. I want to get through some more Silmarillion first. Gotcha. Yeah, I've started Rise of the Red Blade. I'm not very far into it, but my goal is to get through that at some point soon. They haven't sent us the audio file, so I have to read it like an adult. Um, <laughs> you have to eye read. Like, Ew. God. Ask, you asked too much of me, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's embargoed until July 5th. When does it actually come out? July 28th or something. I thought it was late. 18th. 18th. Okay. okay, got it. So we can't talk about it until after it comes out, pretty much. All right. Anything else to hire public phase two? Hopes and dreams? Thoughts? Fun tidbits? I hope some of my lingering questions about where we left off with some characters in the adult novels, which I liked a lot more in this phase, will be answered in that anthology series. It sounds like we're going to catch up with some of them, but some of them I'm like, well, maybe those stories are taking place before the events of those adult novels. I don't know, but I would love to get some answers of where we sort of leave off with these people because I really did like some of those characters in the adult novels that maybe not as much in the young adult, but they were still solid. It's really sad to think that this is the last we'll ever see of them. So I I hope that that's not the case. Fair enough. Any other lingering thoughts for you? Any final thoughts on phase two? No, I mean, overall, I really liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought the characters were all compelling. Whether or not what they were always doing was compelling or not. I did think it was weird how much the audio drama and the comics are pretty much prerequisite. Yeah. But that's fine because those weren't like big chores to get through. So right on. All right. Shall we get into trips? Trips. 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 All right. All right. Can I ask you questions first? You may. Would you like three, four? Let's do four. Let's go crazy. Let's go crazy up in this bitch. All right. <laughs> oh. All right, question number one. Who does Han Solo describe to the Ewoks as an old friend of mine? Oh. Jeez. C3PO? Correct. 
Yes. What's the rule? It's always C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Trying to get out of a pickle, and they thought he was a god. So I was like, that makes sense if he's like, oh, he's my friend. Uh, <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Uh, question number two. What color is the bolt of a stormtrooper's blaster when it is set to stun? Blue. That is correct. Well done. Yes. In the original trilogy, who does Darth Vader describe as not as forgiving as I am? The Emperor? That's correct. Ooh. All right. Your fourth and final question, Alice. Who makes quick work of the battle droids guarding the pilots during Queen Amidala's escape from Naboo? Who makes quick work of the battle droids? Well, there's really two options here. There is. <laughs> Shit. Which one? Any, meeny, miny, mo. Pick a Jedi by the toe. <laughs> If he hollers, let him go. Any, many, many, mo. Qui-Gon? That is incorrect. <sighs> Obi-Wan. Fudge. That would have been Obi-Wan Kenobi. So you got 75% today. Good for you. That's the best I've done in a long time. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Which Imperial officer quietly expresses his disdain for bounty hunters entertained by Lord Vader? Oh, motherfucker. It's the default. Or what I would consider the default. It's my default. Is it Veers? Piet. Oh, that's right. Okay, I forgot. Who explains to Anakin Skywalker, space is cold? <laughs> Who mansplains to Anakin Skywalker? That would be Padme Amidala. Ding, ding, ding. What manages to fire three laser bolts in Chewbacca's direction on the surface of Hoth? Was it an Imperial probe droid? Yes. All three words. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Noise. Oh, this one's hard. I mean, all of these are actually kind of hard. Uh, which faction sends soldiers to battle on maneuverable singer, singer, <laughs> single trooper aerial platforms or staps like Ron Stop in Jersey Shore? The Trade Med Federation, motherfucker. Ding, 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 ding. Hell Yeah. Nice work. Hell yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't get fucking Piet of all things. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, tied. I couldn't think of his name. Yay. Yay. That was a good round of trivia today. That was. That was fun. I like that. I like when I don't completely fail. That's good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Lim Watch, we've added to the tally from what we're keeping up with. We are at five. Laura is still winning with her guess of eight. For the year. Yeah. For the year. Mine uh, is 17. So, we'll see. Where we go. What to expect from our next episode. It will be out July 4th. Happy 4th of July to all of the American Forest Toast listeners. That's about all we know. Yes. Because basically until August 23rd, there will be not much to do. No, but I'm sure that there will be lots of mo lots more like information drops about Ahsoka. Um, hopefully we'll get some more details about Phase 3 of the High Republic. And I would be willing to bet we'll have another excerpt from the Star Wars Inquisitor novel that comes out July 18th by then. So yep. we'll be able to talk Rise about Rise of the Red Blade. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. It's always like a weird thing when there's not, like when you're between TV shows and there's no big like event or movie coming out. Yeah. It's like, will there be anything? Yeah. But mm -hmm. there always is, you know, there's always something. So. Managed to scrape by. 
Okay. Uh, toast two. Laura, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Um, I've been, I feel like I've been talking to a lot of people who are just like, I need something to watch. Lots of TVs over right now because it's summer and that's very true. However, The Righteous Gemstones, which is on HBO, I'm sorry, which is on Max, um, that season three is going to be coming out later this month, um, in, which we're in June right now. And then The Bear, which was on FX this past year, year or two, whatever, um, they're doing season two. That comes out later this month as well. Is it really worth watching? I haven't, I never watched the first season. I loved The Bear. I really, really okay. liked it. I thought it was a good, it was a really good story and I'm mm-hmm. very much looking forward to it, season two. I, I can't decide if you would like it. I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't. Okay. So I don't know. I'll try it. Yeah, it's it's worth giving a try for sure. The Taylor Swift concert here in Chicago, my sister and my friend Liz and I went and it was really, really fun. It was a massive pain in the ass trying to get home. It took us two hours to get home from Soldier Ew. Field. Um, I'm never going to Soldier Field ever again. But the concert was super, super fun. So that was a great time. I still can't believe you were front row. Yeah, we were in the front row at the end of the catwalk. So if you've seen any clips of her performance and her stage, um, it was great. She was like in front of us for like... Not a lot of it, but for some parts of it, she was right there. It was very cool. And then my birthday is in May. My good friend's birthday is in May. Rose's birthday is early June. So it's been a lot of birthday celebrations the last couple of weeks, which has been really fun. So I've enjoyed myself at many Chicago bars in the last couple of weeks. It's been a good time. Nice. Yeah. What do you got? What are you toasting to today? Um, Just some personal best. Okay. So I'm on a 106-day Fitbit streak from hitting my goals. Sweet. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I love that. It's going to be really hard to do when the weather gets really hot and it's about to get really hot Uh because the dogs overheat and they just give up. They're like, nope. They stop. They refuse to walk. They somehow anchor themselves to the ground. Like there's no amount of pulling that will move them. I don't know how they do it. It's like they it's like they just have got built-in suction cups to their paws and they're like <laughs> Well, that's the thing about humans is humans also overheat, so that's also downside for you. Yeah, but they just they stop, they like anchor themselves into the ground or they just go like plop down in the grass and just get, look at me. I'm like, oh, do you want a tree? And they're just like, nah, bitch. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like I'm hot. It's like, okay, All right. <laughs> cool. I'm on a 28 day Peloton app workout streak. Oh my God. I know because I love walking. So the treadmill things are fun, especially when you know all the music. Because you can see the playlist before you pick, you know? That's what I always scope out for the bike rides. I look at the playlist to make sure I like the music. I've spent, like, hours just going through everything and bookmarking. So, like, I always have a queue of things that I know I'll like. And then Memorial Day was really great because I went to my friend's house for a birthday and I made a cake. I made a gluten-free cake. And let me tell you what the trick is to gluten-free. It came out delicious. Um, The frosting I make is always delightful. But if you're doing a gluten-free chocolate cake, you should get that King Arthur flour brand. What kind of flour is it? Uh, I don't know what kind of flour they use in the mix, but there's that brand King Arthur flour that I think they're headquartered in New Hampshire because I think their factory is by Dartmouth and I've been there. But they have a brand of boxed gluten-free cake. So get their chocolate flavor. And then the trick is you add to keep it moist because gluten-free stuff can get like real nasty and dry. You add a pudding packet. Oh, okay. To the batter. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it adds like the gelatin into it, keeps it moist. Mm-hmm. Cool. It was delicious. Uh, we made baked brie that was delightful, and we refinished some dining room chairs to make them more like 
farmhouse shabby chic instead of black. So that was exciting. It came out good. Cool. We just sat and watched paint dry pretty much <laughs> and drank. The weather was really crappy anyway, but yeah. We sat and watched paint dry and that was the highlight of my week. <laughs> ate cake baked brie was delightful we like destroyed the baked brie because we were both like oh we've been so healthy for like the past two months this baked brie we ate the whole thing just two of us in like 10 minutes i wore my heart monitor that i wear to work out at uh, i worked the taylor swift concert and over the course of me walking from the train to me getting home at the end of the night I burned like 1,200 calories at that concert. I was like, oh my God. Like, I had no idea. I mean, we were like dancing and it was a fuck ton of walking, but I never would have guessed it was that many. But that's what I like wear. It. It's a thing I like wear around my waist. And yeah, it's a whole thing. I wore it underneath my very sparkly sequined shirt to the concert. It is so fancy. It was. <laughs> Probably didn't set off like a metal detector or something. Yeah, I don't know. I walked through. I can't actually. You know what? It was in my purse. I think I took it off for a minute and like threw it in my purse because I was afraid that it was going to go off. But oh, I don't yeah. know. Again, those fucking stadium. I had to buy a stadium bag. It had. A, I have a clear bag now that I'm never going to wear again because I'm not ever going to any stadium ever again. It was terrible. I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed. Happy summer. Happy Pride Month. Also, uh, if you like what you hear, spread the news of our little show. Give us a thumbs up, five star, whatever review on the podcast player you use. Appreciate it. And interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can also email our show if you want to get in touch. Tell us what you thought about the battle or uh, yeah, Battle of Dalna, Path of Vengeance, whatever the fuck. Uh, tell us what you thought of phase two of the High Republic. You can email our show at forcedtoastpod at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to our show on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. But you can find a full list at our website, which is forcedtoastpod.com. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I might say toot instead of fart. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it just sounds more pleasant. Oh, okay. Um, does it seem to be better at all? Um, talk some more and do like this. By talk and sway <laughs> and do a little dance. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm just trying to see the video quality. It's still a little choppy choppy. I turned off the Wi-Fi and it went away for a second. And now I'm just on my hardline internet. So. Great. So much better. Do you like this oh. again? <laughs> <laughs> What is that doing? Like, what is that do? What is that telling you with me doing it? Or is it just me looking silly? <laughs> Both. Um, <laughs> like, how the video's doing. Like, if the video's like, while you're trying to be wobbly, it's easier to see. Okay. Got it. <laughs> and I can see that your mouth matches your words. Got it. No, that, that part tracks. Okay. Sweet. All right. Back up and running. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so dumb. All right. <laughs> well, we start with news. Here we go. Yeah. Oop, oop. Chrome is not responding. Well, what the fuck, Chrome? Chrome? is not responding. Chrome is uh, ghosting uh, you. Oh, nope. There we go. It is. Nope, nope. No? No. No. <laughs> no. Bad Chrome. Bad baby. No squeezy. <laughs> Bad baby. <laughs> no squeezy. Bad baby. All right. Uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>